Please spread the word about my shows. I'm an independent creator and I would really appreciate it. I make K-pop guides, as well as I have exclusive interviews with songwriters, journalists, the artists themselves, best new music roundup episodes, artist-specific deep dive episodes, episodes about the history of K-pop, all sorts of content is covered. So to get your fill and support an independent creator, please check out 17 Karat K-pop wherever you get your podcasts, and view an episode guide at howtostand.substack.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop. So many headlines to catch up on, so let's just dive right in. First of all, we have to talk about what went down with the whole 17 Vegas weekend, set for September. Quick refresher on this company and what they had planned. So there's this company, Pollen. They're a startup. They're sort of branding themselves as like an app, kind of like Airbnb meets Uber-ish, meets like Cameo in a way. It's of the tech world, the Silicon Valley world, basically, although it is a London-based startup. We're talking about the kind of company that can quickly crash and burn after pitching an idea that ends up being too lofty. But this company was on the up and up. It was a really good idea for a tech company. Basically, what they decided to do is Pollen would be a service that would create celebrity-curated events, special experiences just around the world. They would team up with hotels, restaurants, etc., so that a certain local area would be just dedicated to this special-themed weekend, themed around a certain celebrity, a chance for fans to meet up in real life. It was founded by the brothers Callum and Liam Nagus Fancy, and it actually went through some makeovers. Back in 2014, the company went by Street Team Software, then they rebranded to Verve, then they became known as Pollen. They have teamed up with some big names over time, Live Nation, Electric Zoo, and accumulated over $255 million in venture capital. Some of the most well-known venture capitalists in Europe were helping fund this. Things were looking great. They also had events curated by Justin Bieber for Vegas, Duran Duran for Ibiza. Just all over the world, different celebrities would create events. Behind the scenes, the company was not doing as well as financially or morale-wise as people were led to think. They were losing a lot of money. So here are what some, speaking on condition of anonymity, former employees have been telling reporters as Pollen enters this administrative mode. They are kind of foreclosing, basically, entering administration. What prompted the company shut down, basically? So I have to again say, all allegations put forth by former employees, so just keep that in mind, I can't verify. But here are their claims. They said the company really did not handle money well. The explosive growth of Pollen was so short, so quick, they were not prepared for it. They didn't have the long-term financial strategy ready, so they were bringing in so much money and did not have a proper plan to dole it out in a way that would help long-term. So they spent big chunks of cash on special parties for staff, getaway vacations basically, which weren't required to attend, but strongly encouraged, like morale-boosting teamwork parties, only there's required hotels, private jets, etc., the company office parties were just off the hook expensive. So then, employees assumed the company had so much money to burn, but they didn't. And employees actually were not getting paid quickly at all. Plus, they claimed that customers' money was held onto longer than it needed to be because they would find out internally a message would be sent out saying, yeah, this event is closing. This event is going to be canceled. Weeks in advance, the staff would know. But they weren't allowed to say so until the last minute. So people couldn't explore refund options as soon as possible. So the company held onto customers' cash and then would cancel an event very last minute. 
In fact, there was this event called Departure Mexico, a big techno artist event. 70 acts booked, huge deal. The morning of the event, their Instagram account confirmed the event was pushed back a day. Then the Instagram post the next day said, sorry, whole event has to be called off. They did offer refunds and vouchers. They cited COVID as the reason, but to make that such a last-minute, out-of-the-blue excuse seems a little suspicious. They also canceled an event in Budapest, citing the Ukraine war, which would not have affected the location of this event at all. So they got into the habit of canceling last-minute, though they claim they've only canceled 10 events in their lifetime. And they say they just have to cancel some events last-minute due to soft demand. Soft demand is a very, very nice way to say low ticket sales. If you're not going to get the return on investment, if you're just breaking even or less, if you lose money because the money you put into an event is not compensated by the amount of tickets sold and the profit made, you don't make a profit, so they just canceled the event and made refunds hard to get. Customers again and again for different events have complained online about a lack of customer service And this was not like an issue or a fluke. This was by design. Apparently, these ex-employees say it was part of the official protocol. They were intentionally supposed to delay, delay, delay answering questions about refunds and things like that. There was apparently a lot of strife internally. Employees saying, come on, please, let us give these people back their money. But the higher-ups would shut down that idea. Pollen had a 90-day refund guarantee window, basically, but some people have said they're still waiting six months later for their money back. In some cases, that's thousands of dollars they're waiting for. It really doesn't help that they actually laid off a third of their workforce back in April, 200 people. They also laid off 69 people, yeah, in spring 2020. And they're having issues because basically they have investors who promise to give them money. But the investors offer conditions. Like, I'm not going to give you this funding unless your company does this or that. So Paulin says, well, we can't secure this funding unless we agree to our funders we promise to cut our costs by 15%. Because we need to change to a more profitable model or they will rescind their endorsement and faith in our company. People have been very desperate for their money back. One customer was so desperate she said she even splurged, bought LinkedIn gold, just to keep messaging them to get her money back. Which she actually did five weeks after they said, one more week, please. One ex-employee even claims there's a copywriter on staff who tells them exactly what to say in their template emails, basically, responding to refund requests. Apparently salaries were delayed, paychecks were delayed, Pollen has publicly refuted that claim, chalking it up to technical difficulties on the, what they consider rare occasions, paychecks were late. This is not just exclusive to Pollen. There are a lot of startups right now who are kind of going through a big labor market whiplash. Look, I find this stuff fascinating, but if you're not an economics nerd, it's okay. I'll just skim through the bullet points of what you need to know. Basically, a lot of startups are dealing with the issue of what all companies had to deal with, a massive change in consumer activity and investment dependability due to the pandemic shifting everything. And now they're kind of changing instead of leaning on pandemic-induced trends. They're now trying to figure out how to reorient again, focus on bottom line profits, basically the TLDR version of startup culture lately. Layoffs, 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 the go-to they pick to save money. I mean, cutting back CEO pay could have been a way to do that, but you know that's not going to happen. 
There was an event actually right around the same time as the 17 Vegas weekend called Drum Code Malta that got canceled. That was actually just confirmed kind of subtly via Drum Code's Instagram. The statement said, quote, due to an accumulation of unresolved issues with pollen, we no longer have confidence in their ability to deliver, unquote. The lineup for that event had included 50 Cent as well as others. There was a somewhat successful pollen event. Not all of them have been a disaster or canceled. The Justin Bieber and Friends Vegas weekend back in 2021 was curated by Justin Bieber. He did perform. He does Friends perform. Kalani was there. The Chainsmokers, although they just were appearing, just handing out. The Kid Leroy. There was a skate park show you could watch and other live entertainment. Justin had supposedly come up with himself to accompany his personal soundtrack for the weekend, a weekend full of parties, pop-up events, but things were not exactly as rosy as it sounds. One believer who spent over $1,000 to do this weekend says she was very disappointed. The intimate performance promised was not till 1 a.m. It lasted just an hour, and Justin Bieber didn't really attend the rest of the weekend. He came for the hour. It was at an intimate 3,000-seat area, so for an artist who performs for tens of thousands, that is intimate, but maybe not what she had in mind. She also said the Bieber documentary screening didn't go well. Not everyone had room to watch because they didn't have enough chairs. The ones they did broke. Plus, the movie started late, very disorganized. She said she also splurged on a VIP update, but was then told by staff that update didn't apply to her ticket. She bought a bonus package that was different, but then they said, wait, never mind. You do get VIP perks, but they didn't say the wait, never mind part until the weekend was basically over. So she left feeling disappointed, but a lot of people left with good memories too. They thought the event was alright. Just maybe not worth the price of admission, but they don't regret going either. I was honestly very curious how the 17 weekend would unfold, but I was wondering and worried that if I went, well, how much are they really going to be there? Because they want you to think, like, they're going to be hanging out in the hotel and at events, popping up all weekend long, surprise cameos everywhere. They might just show up for a couple scheduled parts of the weekend. So they kept it vague. Whenever details are kept vague about an event, I get a little suspicious. In this 17 weekend event for Vegas was canceled. Very just quietly, like it never happened. 17 fans, carrots, have been just reporting they just have the refund email sent to them. They got their money back without explanation. The actual Pollen account just scrubbed all references to the 17 weekend from their site and social media. It was like the company just kind of, instead of being transparent, like, look, we messed up here the logistical or financial reasons we can't do this. They just sort of sunk into the bushes, Homer Simpson meme style, and decided to very quietly pretend this never happened. That we didn't see or hear anything. So they just got rid of the social media ads. But 17's official staff account on Twitter did confirm, hey, due to a bunch of issues, the event is canceled, without specifying anymore. So they haven't said much either except that tweet confirming it. The thing is, the event may have been seen as a, this is my speculation, but the event may have been a, a last chance, haphazard, saving grace attempt for the company. Because this summer has been the, the summer of the biggest financial turmoil for them, and morale issues and stuff. 
K-pop would definitely draw in people. So if they were looking for a big super fan event to get some money back in the company, K-pop would be the saving grace to do it. So presumably, my guess is that's what happened. That they kind of knew this would get cancelled and the money woes would continue, but they thought why not give it a try. One last event attempt before we have to totally just shake up our financial model that's not working. An early July press release confirmed they were shifting to prioritize profit over growth in order to survive. Other emails that went out to staff stressed that urgency of every department pivoting to a profit focus. The head of partnerships ended up resigning last month. Employees were confused how well the company was doing because they were getting booking numbers but not revenue numbers. So the higher-ups didn't disclose how much money was made per booking, but did say it was a lot of bookings. Back in April, though, Pollen celebrated a new round of funding of $150 million. But that same month, contract terminations began, then mass layoffs in both the U.S. and U.K. The numbers they claim they are unable to disclose because of a U.K.-specific privacy law. So amid the staff leaving, the layoffs, the financial woes, this was all happening in July. And sorry, economic nerdiness alert, one more time. I find the fact Pollen had the open compensation policy to be indicative of not coordinating well at all. Open compensation policy meaning you can't hire someone to fill a job you just fired someone from for less pay than what you paid the person you just fired. So to have that policy and then go to layoffs as a go-to strategy to save money, I I just feel like there was some issue there. (laughs) So all future events from Pollen have been called off. It's a very interesting story to me. It just really sums up the whole, I'm tired of the fire Festival comparisons for every event that goes wrong, but it is kind of an interesting fire Festival-esque look at startup culture. Big promises, big ideas that start out going off well, but can very quickly in a couple months take a turn for the just a downfall. While we're talking about Seventeen, some miscellaneous updates for them. Proving they don't need this event, they're thriving. They just surpassed both 10 million Instagram and Twitter followers within days of each other. They started the Face the Sun North American tour, performed on Jimmy Kimmel, the Darling remixes you could do through GarageBand. Those are now available globally. Plus, Hoshi is the face of the streetwear brand Code Graphy. Alright, on to less negative news. Lots to say about Blackpink lately. Blackpink are finally back. They finally got to release new music. They also announced the Born Pink album and world tour. In the pre-release Pink Venom, out now. More to say about that next week on the show. I've been toying with doing a Blackpink dedicated episode of the show, so if you like a guide to the group and their discography, and you want that episode, feel free to let me know. I'll go off of your feedback. So the Born Pink world tour starts in Seoul in mid-October. The touring goes well into the summer of 2023, and more dates to be announced. This is planned to be the largest world tour for a K-pop girl group in history. They also have made history because Born Pink surpassed 84,000 pre-orders and became the most pre-ordered girl group album in the first 24 hours in K-Town for You site's history. Then it surpassed 100k in 12 hours, last time after 9 days, not 12 hours. Pink Venom now holds the title for biggest streaming debut week of all time for Spotify in South Korea. It also made history debuting at the top of the Arias chart in Australia. The video reached 100 million views in record time. 
Born Pink, allowed them to become the first female artist to surpass 2 million stock pre-orders for an album. They are now the only Korean act to spend multiple days at the top of the global Spotify chart. I could go on and on. They're officially the most viewed YouTube channel out of every female musician, surpassing Taylor Swift. Plus, Rosé is thriving, part of Variety's Power of Young Hollywood list for 2022, and she was just named the newest ambassador globally for the cosmetics brand Sohuasu. They also made a huge splash, making fans of Colton Haynes, Taylor Swift, everyone else at the VMAs. You know, the only girl groups in history to perform at the VMAs, Spice Girls, Fifth Harmony, TLC, The Pussycat Dolls, and now Blackpink. What would you guys think of the performance, the red carpet looks? I honestly think the performance had a bit too much smoke, like literal smoke. At first, it was just a lot, and I couldn't see them at all, but otherwise they did a good job. The crowd loved it, loved the reactions, and I did like the red carpet outfits. But I think my favorite part of their appearances, my favorite pictures and moments to reflect on from the night for them, came from Lisa's acceptance speech. Historic, the first K-pop soloist to get a VMA for Best K-pop. And just to see the fellow Blackpink members, really cute, excited, supportive reactions in the crowd when she won, it was just very sweet. It was a great idea to have them be billed as a big part of the show because I really think they are in large part the reason for the boost in ratings this year. Them and the Nicki Minaj medley, those were the reasons people tuned in, I think. Ratings were up 14%, bucking a bunch of trends for a bunch of other award shows year after year. And according to Paramount, MTV's parent company, 1.59 billion minutes of VMA's content was watched that night. Blackpink also won Group of the Year and Best Metaverse Performance, and they introduced Anita. Also, congrats to BTS, and although they won an award, they did not win Best Choreography for Permission to Dance. Instead, it was Doja Cat's Woman. No offense to Doja Cat, but Permission to Dance deserved. One verdict I do agree with, Seventeen finally winning one. Their first VMA, four push performance of the year, four rock with you, much deserved. Seventeen was nominated for Best New Artist and didn't win, but if anyone had to win besides Seventeen, I am glad it was Dove Cameron. Her recent songs have been bops, and I really grew to respect her more as an artist after my interview with her mom about her upbringing and stuff. The interview is called Bonnie J. Wallace on Dove Cameron, Hometown to Hollywood, something like that. Look for Bonnie J. Wallace in my list of How to Stand episodes. Anyway, let's talk tour news now. Johnny from NCT 127 is from Chicago, and yet he's not coming back home on their world tour. What in the world? I know I'm being so petty and bitter, maybe. I get very fortunate to be in Chicago and having pretty much every K-pop tour make a stop in Chicago. But one of my alt groups is the one that decides to skip Chicago. They're only going to Jersey and L.A. Both shows sold out within an hour. They could sell at Chicago in an hour. They could. <laughs> why not? If they're going to stop here on the world tour, why not stop in more than two places? At least one more place. If they just added one more show, I bet they would pick Chicago. Come on, Johnny's from here. Please. I don't mind getting on my knees and begging. In less disappointing news, Omega X will be here in early October. They have a fall world tour announced. Plus Alexis tour, very, very, the DPR team. So there are some cool tours upcoming. Also, Ege, Jay from Day 6, is opening for Max on tour, at least in the LA stop, October 28th. 
Plus, September 22nd, the annual L.A. Korean Fest is going to be held at Seoul International Park in L.A. Admission for all four days is free, and there are a bunch of performances. Go to lakoreafestival.org for more information. Big news for The Rose. They signed with a new label, finally, Transparent Arts, who are also home to Tiffany Young and some other big names. And to celebrate this milestone, they are starting their new chapter with a world tour. They actually had to move into even bigger venues in some cities due to popular demand. So happy they're finally getting their due respect in popularity. They're so underrated, so good. Unfortunately, I can't see them because I have a ticket to N-Hyphen the same day. Who decided they should come to Chicago the same day as N-Hyphen? Was it the same person somehow, or someone who knew the other manager, who also decided it was a great idea for NCT to skip Chicago? The Rose's tour planning team kind of messed up last time, too, having them come the same day as Pentagon to Chicago. Their luck is just so bad when it comes to picking a date to come here. But back to better news. A new K-pop concert is going to, the intent is for it to be annual, come to the Rose Bowl October 15th and 16th. It's called Camp, K-A-M-P. Go to camplA2022.com for more info. It bills itself as kind of a mini convention, a mini fall festival weekend, way more than just a concert. Quote, this event will highlight arts, culinary, gaming, and include a partnership with legendary Los Angeles artist Kenny Scharf to create Camp LA 2022 imagery and aesthetics. Unquote. The full lineup, as of recording time, still TBA, but we know so far it includes Monster X, Kai, Bam Bam, Super Junior, Icon, Lapalus, Jun Somi, and Zion T. I kind of feel bad for Monster X, honestly, because they are so busy. They're always so booked at different festival events in the U.S. and elsewhere. And they just got out of performing a Nick Fest because that got canceled, set for October as well. And then they just got added to the camp lineup instead. That honestly, though, I do feel bad for Nick Fest because the team did sound like they wanted to pull off an interesting festival event. First of its kind for the brand, but they decided to cancel and offer full refunds. They said on social media, quote, Although we were very excited to bring the Nickelodeon brand experience to you through a music festival, we made the difficult decision to cancel after giving significant thought to the challenges facing families today, unquote. They also cited current market conditions, kind of like soft demand that Pollen used, sound like turn of phrases when they mean low ticket sales. I honestly wonder if this has to do with the recent negative publicity surrounding the whole Nickelodeon brand. That is a conversation for another day, but maybe it's just they decided it's best to revisit this idea for a festival after all the negative publicity dies down. Speaking of Monster X, I am is the only member who decided not to renew his contract with Starship Entertainment, but he plans on continuing to be with Monster X, participate in their promo activities, performances, etc. To be honest, this is better than I was hoping for. I really thought some of them would totally part ways with Starship and that Monster X was over. Just because I feel like I've heard them time and time and time again bring up their hectic full schedules, their constant touring, the demands put upon band members, and I just always felt like they were working so, so hard. I worried about burnout with them, and so I worried they would just be tired of each other, ready to go their separate ways. So I'm actually very grateful for this outcome, because it was better than I'd hoped.
I am very curious to what extent I am really does do stuff with the group. Sometimes when a K-pop band member says they'll still be with the group, but not with the company, they really then only do things with the company quite sporadically. So I wonder how much he'll really be still an active member. I can see him really, really focusing on solo mixtapes and stuff for a while, but we'll see. Hopefully they will stay a group. I hope they're not overworked and they really are not sick of each other because I know I would miss them because they've been through a lot together as a group and I hope that just made them bond, not the opposite. But I definitely am not surprised. I am wants to do more on his own. And he could really be a solo star. He should join Mark Twan on his solo tour. Just throwing that out there. Or maybe Wanho on a tour. That'd be really something. Last thing before getting to the rapid-fire round of headlines. Programming updates. If you have the Peacock streaming app, you can check out CJ E&M's picks every month. For August, they had picked M Countdown, Kingdom Legendary War, and more. More Kingdom and M Countdown coming to Peacock in September, as well as Reply 1994 and others. And on the big screen... You can see Eric Nam in his big breakout role. He will be starring in a psychological thriller called Transplant. He's going to play Jonah Yoon, a resident, studying to be a surgeon under the teaching of a perfectionist doctor. This thriller is directed by Jason Park, and co-financing comes from AUM Group. They just launched this year. Passing was their first big full-length feature they helped fund. And it's a company led by Asian American leaders in film and tech. The movie will also star Bill Camp from The Night Of, The Queen's Gambit. More details to come, but now we know why he had to push back some tour dates and just teased it was an exciting secret reason. It's because he was filming a freaking movie we love. Here's something we don't love. There was an issue with the music show scores recently. Some members of KBS's production crew were booked by police. Lim Yun Woon's If We Ever Meet Again was competing against Lay Seraphim's Fearless for number one song of the week. And the producers were accused of rigging the score in favor of Lay Seraphim. The booking was actually prompted after National Newspaper filed a complaint. KBS changed their statement, first claiming full innocence and insisting, look, Lim Yun Woon's song just was not popular and it didn't get a good radio push that would have helped it win naturally. But then it was revealed, because it's pretty easy to verify, actually it did get radio play, so that excuse fell apart. Lim Yun Woon really does well. He does numbers when it comes to streaming in South Korea, but so do Lay Seraphim, so I don't know the technicalities of KBS's scoring, although I kind of got the gist in that music show history episode of the show, but that's what they say happened. We'll keep you posted with any updates. And when it comes to award shows, the Mamas are now just called the Mamas. They were technically the Mnet Asian Music Awards, kind of in the way RM used to be Rat Monster. Now he's still RM, but just RM. It's like, okay, no one's been calling you Rat Monster, so this is fine. Now they're just going by Mamas, not Mnet Asian Music Awards. So, okay, we were saying that anyway. But for the first time, the Mamas will be held on multiple days. It will be held in Japan this year, in this Tokyo venue, seating around 40,000 people. It'll be at the end of November, and you can access via a global live stream. The longer-term plan is for this rebrand to prompt the beginning of Mamas in America. 
It's unclear if by that long-term plan, the mamas mean they will be held in the U.S. literally, or they mean Western artists get their own version of the mamas. Unclear what they mean, but they want to break ground in the USA. Which kind of makes sense because K-pop is so unique. The dancing, the aesthetics, to have it compete with videos from Western artists and their choreography and stuff, that wouldn't be fair to the Western artists. K-pop is in its own level. And further showing that, the recent data about K-culture tweets is that in the past decade, K-culture-related tweets rose 546%. Yeah. Now to your massive round of rapid-fire headlines. The latest COVID cases since we last talked, four members of Seventeen, five members of Stacy, two members of Highlight, two members of Extenary Heroes, Crush, Boa, Jiho from Twice, Mina from Girls' Day, You Know, Kang Daniel, two members of Girls' Generation, Kim Doyeon from Wikimiki, and Jun Soon Hwan from ATBO. Lots of winners at the K Global Heart, Dream Awards, NCT Dream, Psy, TXT, ITZY, Oh My Girl, The Boys, SF9, Golden Child, Yuju, King Daniel, Alexa, Hayes, Sorry for Who I Missed, I Can't Be Here All Day, and Vivi's won at the 2022 Brand of the Year Awards. Laboom's contracts officially just ended, and as of recording time, the rumor is still that that means they are officially over. Meanwhile, the artist C-Jam joined BY's agency, Deja Vu Group. Neil from Teen Top signed with New Entry. Nam Jihyun from 4Minute signed with Urban Works Media. Jang Yeon from CLC signed with Super Bell Company and is working on a solo debut. Gyuri from From Is Nine signed with Just Entertainment as an actress. Girlkind disbanded after four years together, citing internal issues. Zello signed with Uzu Rocks. Hyuna and Dawn both left P Nation upon the expiration of their three-year contracts. The rookie girl group Bo Tapas disbanded. Mihi did renew a contract with the company, but none of the others. The group didn't get the best press because of the, the name B-O-T-O-P-A-S-S, as well as the single not really taking off, and the members, some were from I Love, a group full of a bunch of controversy. Better news, there are rumors, just rumors as of recording time, SF9 is going to come to the U.S. again soon. Chunla and Jeno from NCT have joined Instagram, as did Jiyoon from Weekly and Ha Yunjin from Le Seraphim. Kingdom welcomed a new member in Juan. V from BTS is now the fastest person to reach 50 million followers on Instagram. Jiho from Oh My Girl signed with P&S Studio as an actress. She will go by Gon Jiho from now on. Wikimiki revealed their official lightstick design. Le Seraphim officially chose their fandom name, Fear Not, which actually has a cute double meaning since it sounds similar to the Korean word for bloom. There's a new special limited Xbox controller you can get to promote bad decisions, the new BTS Snoop Dogg Benny Blanco song. It is this customized artwork as well as a speaker built into it so you can listen to the song when you play Xbox. Due to an undisclosed illness, Sun Woo from The Boys is sitting out upcoming promo. And WJSN's Xe and Sol Ah are recovering from minor bruising after a small car accident. Peniel from B2B is also out right now, after rupturing his Achilles tendon. 
Speaking of bad transitions, Tae Yang is covering the first ever issue of a new art magazine from Marie Claire Korea. Congrats to San Yi, who is getting married, and Eric from Xinhua, who is going to be a dad. In honor of Korean Heritage Night, and hyphen throughout the first pitch at a Dodgers game August 19th, BTS officially became the most viewed artist in YouTube's history, surpassing Justin Bieber and accumulating over 26.7 billion views across all official channels. New Jeans, a rookie girl group super on the rise, surpassed a million TikTok followers. One of my J-pop faves, Real, surpassed 1.5 million YouTube subscribers. So far in 2022, Taeyeon has gained 80 million streams, his song Long Flight now has 16 million, Love Theory has 17 million, and his at first underrated, but now finally getting what it deserves, the SM Town artist jam Taeyeon is a part of, Zoo, now past 54 million. Probably in big part due to KCON promoting the song as well as the big SM Town Tokyo summer show. In terms of first week sales, New Jeans' self-titled debut surpassed 310,000 copies. Girls' Generation surpassed 100,000 copies of Forever One in a day. In terms of the number of countries' new releases topped iTunes in, 7 for The Boys Be Aware, 13 for Jaehyun's single Forever Only, 31 for Girls' Generation's Forever One and 74 for Bad Decisions by BTS, Benny Blanco, and Snoop Dogg. As for view count milestones, I'm going to run through a ton of songs that just reached 100 million views. 17, Left and Right, Miss A, Only You, TXT, Cat and Dog, Treasure, Jikjin, Lay Seraphim, Fearless, Itzy, Sneakers, Red Velvet, Zimzalabim, Nayeon, Pop, and Hyuna and Dawn's Ping Pong. Reaching 300 million, both twice as The Feels and That That by Sai and Suga. 800 million, Butter by BTS. In 1.2 billion, on both Blackpink's How You Like That performance video and official video for As If It's Your Last. While I still have your attention real quick, my big action item slash news flash for you today. There have been some massive water crises, historic, historic flooding, flooding Pakistan. Jackson, Mississippi, the state's largest city, had a big issue after flooding where the water system basically failed. It hasn't been weatherized for that kind of water that flooding creates. They're under a boil water advisory, no end in sight, really scary stuff. The city's home to over 160k people, so this is a really big deal. So first of all, to donate and support Pakistan right now, you can donate to the Pakistan Red Crescent Society, a place you can donate with a local focus in Jackson, Mississippi, Operation Good, as well as the Greater Allen Temple AME Church. Also know right now, there is water you can shower in at local YMCAs there, and you can use your student ID to access YMCA showers if you have a certain school ID, so verify first what IDs they take. Also know, if you follow the official City of Jackson Twitter account, you can find out where you can pick up bottled water. Those distribution sites are being posted there, so please be safe and be aware of that. And for those of us who are not there and want to help, please be aware that this is not new. The extent of it is, but they've had water crisis issues for years. You can read a really good long read from Mississippi Today about this from last year called Why Jackson's Water System is Broken at MississippiToday.org. So I encourage you to read up on this issue. It is historic, meaning it has a precedent, but it's also unprecedented in its scope. They just really need help right now.
If you hear of other good local groups to support in Pakistan or in Jackson, Mississippi, or anywhere else in the world right now experiencing historic floods, feel free to reach out to me and share some info and I can spread the word on the show. But be cautious. Make sure donations go to a more local focus so you know they're actually being used, more likely to be used, easier and quicker to allocate in emergencies like this, as opposed to like generic Red Cross donations. Also know that you got to be aware of donations to people who are soliciting them just through email or phone calls. Be very wary of those requests for donations. Go directly to organization sites and you can see how legitimate they are or not. Thank you guys for tuning in today. There was a lot to get to, so thanks for sticking it out with me. And I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.